This podcast is brought to you on Roku and Fire TV by Pod Nation Podcast TV. Find us on X, Facebook, Instagram, or wherever podcasts are broadcast. Download our app and never miss a show with video on demand as well as exclusive content found only on Pod Nation TV. Live from Seoul, South Korea, it's The Monster Island Film Vault, episode 85, Godzilla, the series Monster Wars, featuring the Cellcast. Hello, Kaiju lovers, and welcome to The Monster Island Film Vault, a podcast seeking entertainment and enlightenment through tokusatsu. I am your host, Monster Island's film curator, still out in the field, Nate Marchand. Yes, Jimmy, we have made our first major move in all in our little world tour. We have gone from Hong Kong now and moved a little bit west. We are now in South Korea because we've got actually quite a few kaiju to catch in South Korea. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how they got as many as they did over here, but some of them they kind of stole. I'll explain later. Anyway, before we get into any of the South Korean kaiju, we've got some Godzilla Redux to talk about. I told you the last two episodes, Jimmy, we're not doing Destroy All Monsters right now because reasons. But we have a worthy substitute and worthy host to talk about this worthy substitute. It is the animated host of the Cellcast, including my former Henshin Men temp co-host, Drew Dodgen and Jacob Heron. How's it going, fellas? Hey, man. How, yeah, we're doing good here. How you doing, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been it's been fun. It's a little cramped here in Uber Mogra in the mobile studio. I kind of miss KIJU. I will admit that. And I yeah, have to I, I have I'm to share. Sure hmm? I'm not sure your air conditioner's working in here though. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, Jimmy, you might want to take a look at that. I know it's part. It's way down on your laundry list of things to fix about this. You know what, Jimmy, I'm going to cut you off right there. I get it. You don't like Uber Mogra as much as Mechanicong Mark II, but maybe when we get back to the island, you can finally fix it. Jeez. You guys missed out. I'm just telling you. It happens. Yep. Yeah. Well, and the the other thing is, is that it's a little cramped around here. Jimmy's testing out a new mic and it still sounds weird when he talks into it. He brought his girlfriend along for this trip. It's a little crowded in the in, in, here in Uber Mogra's head. Dealit. Uh, Dealit says, oh, so that's why he hasn't hit on me yet. Yes. Oh. Yeah. He, uh, like Jimmy said, he is a lot of things, but a cat apparently is not one of them. Good for you, mm-hmm. Jimmy. Yeah. Although he, although his girlfriend's a Zillia woman. So. Um. Mm. Yeah, interesting, fascinating. Yeah, he dug her out of a uh, out of a zillion saucer that got shipped over to the island. She didn't have a name, so he gave her a name. Oh, yeah, her name is Kaguya. Ah, that's a cool name. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and if you know your Japanese fairy tales, it actually makes weird sense. I may have to look that up later. But anyhow, uh, well, uh, Tale of the Bamboo Cutter. You've probably seen it. It's been adapted into a bunch of stuff throughout Japanese culture, including anime. 
I'm sure it has, but I, mm-hmm. it, it, it doesn't hit me like, like say, the Monkey King does. So, mm-hmm. Well, that's Chinese, because Journey to the West. Yeah, but Japan uses that also. Oh, yeah, they do. They do. But anyway, how'd you guys get here? It's not the island, so how'd you get to South well, Korea? Well, we were going to take the the Frog Zord, like we did last oh, yes. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But when we got out to where it was being stored, apparently it had melted. Melted? Frog soup, anybody? Yeah, I'm not sure how it melted. What did you ever figure that out? It's because that what it was hardened light. How does that work, huh? Don't ask you. You're from the future. You got all this technology. You ought to know stuff. Anyway, AIs. AIs, right? Yeah. If, if she's not buying this, you don't know either. Jeez. Oh, we're just lucky she hadn't turned Jacob into a dog yet. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I've heard about those. It's like, what's going to happen now? <laughs> yeah, I've heard about those. It's, uh, anyway. I'm glad you were decidedly less furry today. Yes. Yeah. Be like, I don't have to tell her anything yet. Yeah. Uh, Thankfully, yes. however, unlike the first time when we teleported to Monster Island, since whatever caused that mishap, is apparently centered on Monster Island and not on Uber, where we are now. Yeah, the teleporter Korea, actually Korea. worked correctly this time. Yes, yeah, that, which is good. Well, I mean, mostly correctly. I mean, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys have you guys have better luck with teleporters than I do. Just I, 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 thankfully, Jimmy did soup pick us up out of the ocean when we t- came in underneath you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, if, uh, today or yeah, today. Oh, today we you landed in the ocean, uh, right underneath you. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 okay. Oh, okay. I was away. I'm confused. It's like, we, we're not in the ocean. We're Sorry, in... I forget. Whatever the Sea of Japan or whatever Korea calls it, because they won't call it the Sea of Japan. <laughs> whatever that body of water like, between South are Korea you a and Japan confu- Are you a little confused, Drew? Because we're in Seoul. <laughs> we landed in water. This is all I know, okay? <laughs> We didn't get picked up. By oh, we hadn't parked basically. yet. Okay, fine, sure. <laughs> I don't know where he picked us up. All I know is we were treading water for a hot minute. Thankfully, Dila was able to get us some dry clothes. Yes, uh, that 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 is very good. That is very good because I don't know how rust resistant Uber Mogura is right now. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, oh, yeah. Anyway, we, we at least got, at, at least we were. The X and Y axis were correct. The Z axis, Dila still has to work on. Yeah, yeah of course she does. <laughs> At least I didn't land on my head this time. Uh, ow. Yeah. Ow. There's yeah. a joke there. <laughs> anyway. Do I say it? Do I say it? Do I say it? Do I say it, Jimmy? Good idea. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. So, yes, Godzilla Redux. But it's not Destroy Monsters. We're talking about what I think is a worthy substitute for it, which is why you guys are here, because it's animated. Yay! I feel like you've got a little pigeonholed on this show. Like, anytime we do something animated, I call Oh, like any other show we've guest hosted on, we've not gotten pigeonholed. (laughs) We're the animation guys. We're the cartoon guys. (laughs) No one else realizes we can actually review live action stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Unless I ask people to give me live action stuff <laughs> cartoony zany dudes well i mean you guys are quite animated i'm just saying very true we try <laughs> we try 
I don't know. I mean, you, uh, Drew, you got to break out of the mold a little bit. You came on Henshin Men as a temp co-host. Yes, <laughs> but tokusatsu can... It's very close to puppetry in terms of how it works. And we do include puppetry as a part of True. our definition of animation. Animation. So, so roundabout way it kind of fits in again. Yeah. It's just an excuse to talk about the Muppets. I know. That's you. all it that's was. I, I'll admit. <laughs> I will admit. That's all that was. <laughs> because that first Christmas, it's like, oh, we need to talk about Christmas movies. Well, I have no idea how long this show is left, so I'm going to put my favorite Christmas movie on here. <laughs> get it out of the way while I can. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll never get to review it on a, on an actual podcast. So Muppet Christmas Carol? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Though I may put it back on the list once the an anniversary season, uh, cut comes out. Yeah. Oh, okay. With uh, putting the song, the, the, the missing song back in. Uh, it's on oh, Disney+. Plus. Yes, but I want it on Blu-ray. It kind of is. I'm aware of that yeah. version. I but want my full widescreen version. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, I totally. But we made I it. Totally I don't know. It, that came anyway. out at a time we couldn't get it on there. Anyway, yeah. anyway, anyway, we're talking about Godzilla the series Monster Wars, which I found out th through my research. The <laughs> the filmmakers working on this show. This is also the third episode where we have talked about this series, and you guys have been on for two of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but they did want to call this three-parter destroy all monsters and toho said no ho <laughs> this i get that makes sense yeah interestingly they didn't want enough, people though, to be confused interestingly enough though when i was doing my research i found out there was a game boy color game based on this three-parter yes. Really? I have, yes. uh, there were actually were two game boy color games based on the show and i have the first one and i missed out on the second one and now it goes for a pretty penny yeah i think i don't have either one but i found weird it weird games I, I was looking up i was trying to look up uh you know an easy to edit synopsis for later on and i brought up the wrong wrong monster wars article first <laughs> i got i read through the synopsis going this is not what happens in this movie in, in these episodes what did you pull up I, it was on Wikizilla. It started close, but then it kept going off into what I'm assuming were filler. <laughs> That's a lot of fish. That's <laughs> a lot of fish. <laughs> I'm friends with Nick Totopoulos. He's sick of people saying that to him. I'm sure he is. Because he's oh, like, I never own. said that. That's just a Matthew Broderick line. Well, he may not have actually said it, but it's one of the most quotable lines in the film. Yeah. So it's going to get said. I mean, not going to argue with you there. But uh. and what else we're going to say? Hey, you're the worm guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's okay with that because he says that's actually true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> but sp speaking of synopsis, would you like to let everybody know what the synopsis is of these? It's a three-part episode. Yes. I thought about finding the back cover copy of the DV of the standalone DVD that this got years ago, but I trusted you guys to find what you needed. <laughs> I got mostly and had okay. some edits, but we'll still All right. Jimmy, make sure you loop in some epic music for this. Hit us with it, Drew or Jacob, whichever.
tensions threaten to break up the Heat team for good. Several major problems arise. A giant bat is terrorizing the countryside of Nigeria. The U.S. military has dredged the alien vessel Leviathan from the bottom of the Pacific. And worst of all, the aliens have taken over the minds of the Leviathan survivors, including Dr. Elsie Chapman, and an army of mutations are under their control, including Crustaceous Rex, Giant Mutant Bee Queen, Huge Mutant Rat, and El Gusano Gigante. Their plan? To conquer the Earth! Of course! From their secret base on Isle de Diablo, the aliens have assembled their forces. Heat desperately fights against them, but they are easily captured. Once they are brought to the, to the aliens, they are told that the mutation army, including a brainwashed Godzilla Jr., will be used to attack major cities across the world in preparation for a full-scale invasion of Earth. At its head marches the aliens' ultimate weapon, Cyber Godzilla a reborn cyborg version of the first Godzilla. As the aliens and their mutation atta allies attack Earth, Heat escapes captivity. They battle to defeat the alien onslaught and free the mutations from their control to help humanity fight back and save the planet from the alien evil! Oh, <laughs> I was gonna say, hot day. Yeah, I tried. <laughs> you spent too much time with me on tension, then. <laughs> epic I announcer have... voice. <laughs> hey, I've been using epic announcer voice since I started our show. It's just our true. Our synopsises are a lot longer, and I tend to fall off faster. <laughs> yeah, this is true. This is true. But uh, thanks for regaling us with all of that. So, just to let everybody know, some just some quick preliminary information. By the way, if you want to know more about the making of the show, most of those details were discussed in the two previous episodes. So go check those out if you want to know more about those. But the show in general, we're focusing on these three episodes. So these aired in February of 1999 as part of Sweeps Month. You guys remember Sweeps Month? <laughs> Let's see. This was 99, you said? Yeah. Yeah. So that means I would have been 14 so vaguely no i'm yeah. just saying i'm just saying sweeps month that was a those were it was february november and i like well i think well i wrote it down but this we used to be a thing yeah. in television yeah because mm -hmm. it was when they used to get all the actual ratings mm -hmm. yeah the ratings and get their advertising budget put yeah. together so they usually course, would do where you put your big action yeah that, yeah they would do big crazy things in sweeps month for that but at the same time, I would have been 14 when this was out and would not have made that connection at the time. Mm. Yeah. But what were those? I'm trying to remember. I, I know February, November were two of the sweeps months. What were yeah. the other? According to what I've just found, it occurred four times a year, mm. being February, May, July, and November. Okay. Yeah. So that's why a lot of crazy things would happen. It's also why the episodes of this show aired out of order. Because the King Cobra, because that's the thing, all but one of the I monsters that was just a in the 90s thing. Yeah. All but one of the monsters in this was supposed to be a returning monster. The Cobra was supposed to have already appeared. So if you okay. get the show on DVD, they put the or the episodes in the proper order, and yeah. the Cobra shows up in the episode just before this three-parter. Right. Oh. Whereas if you watched it on TV, it showed up afterward, even though they act like they've already seen it. Well, I mean, they don't, at this time, television didn't expect you to actually catch every single episode. 
So, but they when they found out there was this big three part episode, they're like, put that in February. It'll be good for sweeps. So, you know, the, it was the tenth, the seventh. No wait, no, I got the dates wrong. <laughs> uh reference your notes march and yeah the 13th 20th and 27th for some odd reason i thought they all aired back to back in my head but then I when i did my research like, i nope, could they didn't. see i could see them editing them into like an hour and a half mega episode yeah maybe throw in the leviathan episode to yeah get it out to a full two hours yeah yeah the, 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 the full movie then the previous episode that established the aliens and the cryptoclitis mm-hmm and mm-hmm. the the ships and everything although they never resolve what happens to dr Paloran from that that's left very ambiguous i wonder if that was if they intended to explain things and then at some point in the writing process decided not to and... for those who don't know there was a scientist in this previous episode called leviathan yeah. that you just see he helps the he tries to help the aliens realizes they're up to no good mm-hmm. helps heat escape but stays on the sh- the underwater ship in order to do it. And then they th- he just expects to die. And then we see him walk into this very well-lit door. And he just says, like, oh, yes. And then he just walks in and the door closes. And then it's left ambiguous as to whether or not he survived or not. And this doesn't resolve it. <laughs> I may, well, it just didn't cross their minds, I suspect. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But considering how close, how much they actually paid attention to details, I'm surprised they didn't. This is yeah. also the only multi, only other multi-parter in the show other than the premiere. Right, the premiere was a two-parter. This is a three-part. It's the only, all the rest of the episodes are standalone. And this one does make probably the most callbacks to previous episodes because it brings a bunch of monsters back, and it goes refers back to Leviathan. It, calls back to the movie which we'll get into mm-hmm. so you know, yeah all this happened before your former boss was on the show right he he wasn't interested in monster wars he wanted us to inflate his ego mm-hmm. that's how he rolls anyway but uh, to let everybody know the, some more preliminary details part one was directed by i know this is the kind of stuff you guys do on your show it was directed by christopher berkeley and was written by Robert N. Skur, and I hope I said that right, and Marty Eisenberg, not Eisenborg. That's a whole other thing. Part two was directed by Sam Liu. I feel like that name that name sounds familiar. I don't know why it sounds familiar, though. I feel like he's directed some other big-time animation stuff. It could be, because, I mean, a lot of those director uh, animation directors at the time were just going between studios. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm sure unless, if they, I did, unless they had a big show like Gindy Tartakovsky and would have had this time with Dexter's Lab. Right. I'm doing a quick Google search on this guy. See what else he's done. Roughneck Starship Trooper Chronicles, The Batman from 2006, Batman versus Dracula. He's worked on a bunch of Marvel and DC projects. That sounds about right. Cause those would be all be big action stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and part two was written. There's not a lot of crossover between this and Men in Black, the series, even though it's pretty much it's the same, same studio. kind of show. It's the same studio. Yeah. And let me see here. So directed by Sam Liu, it was written by Stephen Melching. And then part three was directed by Alan Caldwell and written by Michael Reeves. And I can tell you right now, I'm just looking at this chart with all the names of the writers and directors, and there's a lot of big names in this that I recognize. <laughs> Mm-hmm. This was this show had a lot of talent behind it. I'm just saying. <laughs> so 
was this the was this the first time you guys had seen this three-parter no i had watched previously when we were getting ready to come on for the winters trilogy i had watched all the way up to the first cameron winters episode which included these three so i'd seen it then Mm -hmm. because then after that i just kind of jumped ahead to get the other two because i had to get the dvd to my buddy here Mm -hmm. this is my first time actually watching this and like obviously you tie it in with the leviathan it makes more sense because it say hypothetically i had not watched it be like okay what happened what's going on but yeah i was gonna ask about that what did you think of the little expositional catch-up that they did and early on in part one do you think that would have been enough to keep you know for anyone who missed that episode to get them caught up so they could proceed so i did not go back and rewatch leviathan prior to watching it for this show so i can tell you it reminded me just enough of what happened but there's still a lot of stuff once you get into like the second and third episode yeah and it's like what is going on <laughs> i i understood what was going on but it's like I, there was just a couple of points it's like y'all are being more obtuse on this show than normal right now because mm. <laughs> you're having to refer back to o- an older episode and you don't want to bore people who actually yeah. just saw it the one well, the last time as we as we've talked about before this show is a lesson in economy like it it gets stuff a lot of stuff done very quickly right (laughs) which depending on who you are is good and bad yeah it gives you just enough to understand what's going on but it's like the full ideas to who these aliens are and the leviathan and all that it really doesn't tell you much Mm -hmm. so it's trying to give you some mystery for the rest of the episodes yeah yeah, that's for sure, which it was actually some of the stuff that I, I really enjoyed in part one, because in a lot of ways, part one feels a little bit like a typical episode. Oh, yeah. Other than yeah. the little hints at other things going on, like, you know, Zilla Jr. I always call him Zilla and Zilla Jr. because they've been rechristened. He still hasn't won that lawsuit with Toho about the renaming, despite the legal action team's best efforts. But you know it starts off with zilla jr acting a little bit weird going after a fishing boat and then they're like oh there's a a tachyon signal oh like the one from the leviathan and that leads them to a military base where they're studying the ship paying off some lines from the end of that episode where they're like should we tell them that we found it no we shouldn't turns out elsie let them know where it was yeah Mm -hmm. traitor well see that's the thing did she do you think she did that intentionally or was that part of the telepathic manipulation that's got to be part of the telepathic part of the telepathic definitely and i I give them kudos for her not being fully under control to give an excuse as to why every episode between leviathan and this one she's not working for the enemy right well it's a good setup yeah, it's well, actually, I really like what they did here. I don't know why the rest of Heat never got fully controlled like we saw with Hicks and some of the soldiers mm-hmm. and Elsie for a while. That's, I don't know if that's a plot hole or not, but I like the idea that it's not full-fledged mind control. It's the aliens are using, and by that, the aliens, I mean, the aliens downloaded themselves into two of these scientists who were on the alien ship. They had been captured. Right. Because we find out later that they that Earth's environment's hostile to them, which just begs one of those questions: like, why are you invading a planet 
that you can't live on? I'm looking at you, signs. <laughs> or, um... Oh, shoot. What's that H.G. Wells novel? War of the Worlds? War of the War Worlds. Of Worlds. That's what those aliens were. In the their problem. defense, they didn't know. True. Yeah. They didn't know, but... These aliens, yeah. obviously, they do know. Which is why yeah. they downloaded their minds. So I'll give them credit for that. Like At least the yeah. writers were like, they know they can't live here. So that's why they're downloading their minds into human bodies that then slowly mutate into their... The big, what, the what, ugliest aliens I've ever seen. I, yes. the, yeah, the alien designs in this are wild. They <laughs> I are. mean, they're good designs, but it's like, oh, you definitely were making sure these were not humanoid. <laughs> right? Yeah, because they have like... They look kind of like they have four legs, but they fold them up under themselves and they float yeah. like 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 the Harkonnens from <laughs> from Dune. Right. <laughs> and they have really long necks that can stretch out, mm -hmm. got tusks, mm -hmm. giant brains. It's like every and, and goggle yeah. eyes. Yeah, and goggle eyes. And it's goggle like eyes. every it's like they took every weird alien design, threw it into a blender, and these guys came out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> they're absolutely insane so kudos to the character design for this but i think that's actually one of the thing one of the great strengths of the show because there's no way that this three-parter could have been made in live action in the late 90s without dumping no, no millions of dollars into it or this just really leads really, to the advantages or just of looking animation. really cheesy yeah yeah i'm not even i mean it would still cost millions of dollars to do now mm -hmm. <laughs> true they tried <laughs> Even with this, CG, it would. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this many monsters, the alien characters, all the spaceships, like it, the locations. It, mm -hmm. it, it would have been uh, one-time alien structures on the on the island. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's never it, get used again after this episode. <laughs> By the way, that island has been. It's associated with Monster Island. It's been. They, they call it site Omega here, but the board rechristened it the gamma site because we got an alpha and a beta. So this is the, that one's the gamma site. It's way out in the South seas though. Ah, hmm. nothing to worry about over there. Is there uh, It's just the critters that you see in this show? They're still okay. over there. Hmm. So yeah. keep an eye out for giant worms and bats. Gotcha. Yeah. El gusano. Yes. <laughs> El gusano gigante. El gigante. Yeah. <laughs> You had that roll behind it. <laughs> I had to double check I was saying that right, by the way. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I'm glad that you did, or else Jimmy might have started yelling at you. <laughs> but anyway, like I said, th so there's all these little bits of foreshadowing you know, that make it seem like it's a little bit of an atypical episode, but I would say really, I say probably really, for the most part, up until the end, even when they go to Nigeria, mm -hmm. it still feels more like a, a typical episode of the show and then it's right yeah. at the end where we get the first cliffhanger that makes it abundantly clear oh yeah the alien the leviathan aliens are back and they've got a bunch of the monsters back too and i really do like that about this that it just feels like oh you're watching another episode you have no idea that you're about to see the words to be continued at the mm -hmm. end of it yeah Except I do remember when this was when, when this originally aired. Good grief, the hype that was going on for it! It mm -hmm. was nuts. Well, I say you have no idea. The title did say part one. Mm -hmm. it, this is it yeah, kind of gave it away. 
This is true. But what I was saying is what I like about the telepathic manipulation is that it's not straight up mind control. He's mm -hmm. just making them fight with each other. Yeah. And the mm -hmm. funny thing is it's more I'm, of a passive mind control. It's a more yeah. of a passive mind control. And I actually think that he might just be bringing stuff to the surface. Mm -hmm. It's really more of a hypnosis than actual brainwashing. Mm -hmm. But like I said, I think the thing, I think the tensions are actually real he's just amplifying it because they are keep for yeah. the most part keeping it at bay and he's just bringing it like i said bringing it to the surface which i th think is pretty interesting well and you could see the tensions between the heat members and all the previous episodes There's, right as much as they work well together they also can very easily get at each other's throats mm -hmm. i mean especially between I'm craven and randy yeah over and nigel and nigel. poor nigel poor nigel oh, here's a break there's only, uh, am I right in thinking there's only one episode where Nigel doesn't get blown up? I think it's three. Ah, uh, still poor Nigel. Yeah, poor Nigel. He got stuck in Jet's head for a while. That's almost a modern day ship of thesis. How many times has he been rebuilt as he's still Nigel? Mm -hmm. I don't know. You'll have to talk to Jet because he had to put up with that poor traumatized AI in his head for a while. Eh, I don't understand Jet speaks. So I'll just let it go. <laughs> There's an obvious joke there for the animation guys. What? I don't understand jet speak. Oh, you mean let it go. Oh, <laughs> it took you a second. Ready row. <laughs> Admittedly, I have wiped a lot of frozen from my mind. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, th the one new monster we get in this three-parter is the bat. What'd you guys think of the bat in this? Well, he certainly is a big bat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the thing about the kaiju in this show is that a lot of them are just animal that's big. And I, yeah. to some degree, I like that simplicity compared to, you know, the other monsters shows I'm used to, like Power Rangers and Sentai and all that stuff. But yeah, he's a giant bat and they did a good job on his design because he actually yeah. looks like a bat and not mm -hmm. the artist rendition of a bat. Yeah. Right. Stays true to what the, the, to the actual biology of a bat. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Except technically he shouldn't be running around in the daylight. Right. <laughs> but then when you're that side, the only reason they're nocturnal is because they don't run into as many predators there. So, I, but point, when you're that big, you don't really worry about predators. You become nope. the apex predator. You are the predator. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I mean, who's he going to hide from Godzilla? He well, yeah. And that is oh. I, okay. Zilla got his head caught in that bridge. Did it and it seriously took him hours to figure out how to just turn his head around differently and get out. It's like seeing a cat get it, you know, get its head in a jar or something. You're telling me God Godzilla Jr. is not just a big cat. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he's a little he, he's as he loyal as a dog. Uh, well, he's kind of both, actually. Uh -huh. That does make you wonder if you if you can get close enough to pet him if he starts purring. <laughs> well he he does listen yeah he that, that's, 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 that's the dog part the cat exactly if, he was, if it was the cat part he, he would ignore him completely though he does that later in the episode true in, i'm in just episode. i'm just surprised that the censors uh, on fox at the time actually allowed them to let the bat bite godzilla on the nose <laughs> yeah <laughs> good night that was violent yes <laughs> I guess well, it kind of, it, it's that idea. It's like, well, if the animals are fighting, you can get a little more violent than yeah. if they were fighting humans. 
I don't know. I'm guessing because most of these censorship rules make no sense to me whatsoever. Yeah, and I, for what I read, Fox was a little bit looser with it compared to the other ones. Yeah. Well, Didn't I mean, stop they the mods groups from beating up Power Rangers, but <laughs> well, there's a difference between censors to cover their butts and censors to get keep the moms groups away from mm -hmm. them. True. Uh, although I, at this time if i'm not mistaken saban would not be controlling fox kids it would be some other company wouldn't it i don't know how much control saban had at that saban point. pretty much owned that block when in the days of x-men and, and power rangers yeah that's true they were running well, the and then they shifted and later on it would go they, to four kids but i don't yeah. think this, i think this is still before four kids yeah then it would have the to be before year, four kids because they would although, have neutered this show yeah, next year though they switched their focus to Digimon because they wanted to compete with Pokemon. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Digimon is That's superior. why I, that's why I know it wasn't for kids. They were all over on Kids WB at the time. Yeah. Yeah. But I I did, I would have to say rewatching this I'm like I forgot that they got a little violent in this one as we'll talk mm -hmm. about a little a, a bit later. <laughs> but yeah so he got as so he got to bite godzilla on the nose that was not nice that was very yes. not nice but anyway thankfully we didn't have to deal with too much screaming from the bat yes for his echolocation oh yeah i was gonna say so the bat is black canary or banshee depending yeah, on which yeah. comic book company you read <laughs> it actually makes sense as a superpower yeah. And I think, doesn't Wingnut from Ninja Turtles do the same thing? I think he does. I know in the video games he does. I don't remember. Don't know. Yeah. It's still a pretty, seems like a fairly obvious superpower to give to a bat kaiju. You would think. Yeah. That or blood drinking. I still, th I think that might have been what the bat was doing when it bit Godzilla on the nose. Oh, more than likely. That has to be a, like a giant vampire bat yes. in reality. He's got big that, is not, that is not Arr. a fruit bat. <laughs> yeah. He got big old fangs there, so mm -hmm. wouldn't surprise me. We're, but, we're just yeah. lucky it didn't turn Godzilla into some vampire hybrid. <laughs> <laughs> Draczilla. Draczilla. <laughs> oh, God, that's going to happen. There's some fan fiction out there Dude, where that I'd, happened. I'd watch. I'd pay money to watch that. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So I just wanted to highlight a couple of things up, you know, since we're still on part one for the most part here. So one of my favorite lines in this episode is it's from Randy says where because him and Monique are French femme mm -hmm. fatale. They mm -hmm. show up to like, help do, Nick. Do I have and, to remind myself every time she's French? Because in my mind, she's Russian. That's right. <laughs> she's half French, half Vietnamese officially ah. fair but at the same time the french connection that this and the movie has in my mind feels more like they ought to be russians mm. french connection huh you knew what i meant it's a movie oh, title oh, but anyway <laughs> so at this point i'm calling them frushians <laughs> you do you do realize that there is a russian bot who is, who is a comedian on monster island right and he's not here he's not here <laughs> good he's on the island he he goes by Rushbot and he has a little friend named sputnik that yeah, makes sense true <laughs> all he does is is uh in mother russia jokes though ah or so he, he talks or he talks about jokes. that or he talks about stealing all your stuff 
because you know russian bot gotcha yeah I'm, but anyway I'm so they show up yeah so they show up and nick understands why monique would be there but he's like randy why are you here because the last time they saw each other they were fighting and yeah. his his response was hang out with craven in the lab boat trip with a serious hottie you do the math that was a good line considering the future of those characters <laughs> yes they got together their yeah. relationship hey, is still kind of weird and a little uneasy but they did get together <laughs> i'm a little amazed that monique never killed him <laughs> maybe that's what attracted him to her <laughs> mm -hmm. the, the constant threats of murder <laughs> yes oh please yeah, well he's that guy never is never worried about anything yeah, True. i mean you know i guess we don't kink shame around here Jimmy, I don't want to know. Okay, we're moving on. I, I already yeah. learned a little bit more about you when we had to capture Utam back in Hong Kong. So no, okay. I'm going to make the assumption that I don't want to know. Mm, yeah, probably. But then the other thing I was going to bring up, just because the running joke with the, uh, with Nigel is his random pop culture references. <laughs> yeah and the, he has a line in this that i actually i just felt like doing research on this uh, he says you'll never take me alive coppers because they make him drive the the jeep to distract the soldiers at at sandy point the yeah military yes. base <laughs> and i looked that up that is it's that's actually a phantom movie line ah, it was never huh. actually said much hmm. like luke i am your father or uh beam me up scotty or yeah but at least again, sam but at least with those, there are lines that are very close. People just misquote them. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, because it's not Luke, I am your father. It's no, it's I, no am I am your father. father. So it's it's just, and, it's slight differences. Yeah. Yes. Slight differences. Now, beat me up, Scott, who's never said on the show, and the closest Shatner ever came to saying it was in Star Trek Four. Yes, and he mm. said, Scotty, beam me up. Or he said, Scotty, beam me up, but beside the point. And but I don't remember the exact play it again, Sam, how that works. Yeah. Out. I, yeah, yeah I, think not he, actually I think it was play a, play a Sam, play it for her or something like that. But I could be wrong. Jimmy, it's, it's close Jimmy, enough. look that up for your blog. But this line is attributed to James Cagney, but he mm. never really said it. He said a few things that were close, mm. but never quite that like he said in a in a movie called angels with dirty faces he said empty your thick skull copper get back copper or i'll spit in your eye again and then he said it in a movie called white heat where he said come and get me copper right hmm. and then a closer one still actually wasn't cagney it was edward g robinson in a movie called little caesar where he said i told you you coppers and then he also said you'll never get cuffs on me so just a fun little bits of trivia I thought I would bring up. So yeah, it's a phantom movie line. Cool. But anyway, we can move on to part two now. And part two is where we're, we're in full swing. Like at this point, it's well-established. These are not typical episodes. Oh, and yeah. we start slowly ratcheting things up. So we saw a bunch of the monsters, the previous monsters show up on the island, but all they did was show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they didn't fight each other. They, they invite, but they oh, don't they fight don't each other really yeah. fight each other in this no, one no they don't they just no literally. the bat the, the monique and randy manipulate the bat and the cryptoclitus to fight each yeah, other that's right that, that, yes, yeah that's at the yes. beginning of the next one yes yeah beginning of part two. yeah so we're in part two 
and, and then the aliens break it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By hypnotizing both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with their tachyon giant yeah. satellite dish that probably doesn't get HBO. <laughs> tachyons, the true enemies of the Federation. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> but the main... So, you know, there's all this stuff where it picks up with the characters that are dealing with their own sets of problems. They've all basically been separated. Nick is do- Nick and Craven are trying to get into Sandy Point. Mm-hmm. Monique and Randy are deal are uh, on the Heat Seeker dealing with a couple of monsters trying to get to where they need to be. All that sort of stuff we find and then we find out Elsie is you know, well we build off of what of the previous episode where Elsie is helping the government with the Leviathan turns out she's being right. manipulated by the aliens. And the main thing that happens in this episode is basically right at the halfway point of the episode, which is the halfway point of, of this, we get the big bombshell, mm-hmm. which is Cyberzilla. <laughs> which, let's be honest, it's that because they couldn't weren't allowed to use the name Mecha Godzilla. Yeah. Sure, but Mecha Godzilla is not a cyborg. He's a robot. And you're telling me they didn't just re well. The third Godzilla, uh, Mecha Godzilla, is it has elements of the original Godzilla in it. Yeah, but this is before Kiryu. Kiryu, or Kiryu, I get the name confused. Anyway, yeah, but this is before Kiryu. Hey, inspiration happens in all directions. True, I understand. Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff. Exactly. But yeah. any either way, I mean, let's face it: if they could have gotten away with calling it Mecha Godzilla, they would have. Yeah, they probably would have. I just love the fact that they're taking advantage of this being a sequel to the movie. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's a great, great callback. And honestly, I think it's a great use of agreed. Yeah. If this movie, if the movie had gotten a sequel, this would be it. Mm -hmm. Oh, we'll talk about the sequel. It was going to try to get, that's the quote unquote Toku topic. We don't really do official Toku topics end up in Godzilla Redux. Right. But yeah, I did do a little research on the the sequel that they tried to make, and it's eerily similar to this show. <laughs> well, it makes sense that once they couldn't get the sequel going, you turn the project in somewhere else where you can get it out, still get it out there without yeah. doing much extra work. But yeah, yeah, I but can anyway, see it being adapted for the show very easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sequel idea. Yeah, but anyway, yes, Cyberzilla, the Godzilla or Zilla, whatever you want to call him, from the movie is now in the show as a cy- resurrected as a cyborg who is 100% loyal to the aliens. Which I absolutely mm-hmm. loved they brought back, brought, brought this in. Yes. That, yeah. that is just the cool, that, that was to me the coolest moment of this of these episodes. Mm-hmm. The revelation? Oh, just the yeah. fact that we have Cyber Godzilla uh-huh. and, Reg- and Godzilla Jr. And the simple fact that that daddy's home means he's not listening to Nick anymore. Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't, they couldn't agree on what to call him though. I wonder if that was just kind of a joke for the writer's part, because they're like, do we point out the fact that the original was asexual? <laughs> we can't say that on a kid's show. Can we? <laughs> Technically that would be the same for Zilla jr. Too, but yeah, but they got around that and they just said, they do go back and forth between the heat between the pronouns yeah yeah because the first time is i think they called it daddy the mother, and then later on they mother. said birth mother i think yeah <laughs> it's confusing dad. but Remember, it's, i'm only the adopted uh, father i'm only his adoptive yes, father that's the original yeah. One. 
Yeah. I, I, I just, this to get ahead to the third episode, he says, well, it looks like, look who's been readopted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good line, actually. <laughs> look Very who's been line. readopted. <laughs> but the, the thing that's interesting about this is even though Junior has more personality than his parent, we'll say. Yes. That's just because they had more time to work with Junior. This is true. They can actually they, character I, I, development. Yeah. The writers of the show still took a more natural, we're still coming at this from a naturalistic standpoint. So they figured out a way to create drama for the giant animal. Mm-hmm. It's kind of brilliant. <laughs> now, do you guys think they did enough with that? I don't think they did as much as I would have liked because it's really just an excuse as to why Godzilla's not working with the Heat team. This is mm. what it really seems like. Mm. It's, it seems feels more like an excuse than actual plot point, mm. in my opinion. Yeah. Do you think it would have? And this was something because this is something I thought about. Do you think it would have been more interesting if Godzilla didn't have to be mind controlled by the aliens? He just like, oh, it's Daddy, and he just went along with it because See, that's it was, the thing is re- throughout most of this it, i i couldn't even tell you godzilla jr was mind controlled oh he they really said did. he was i know they yeah. said he was yeah but in terms of how he was used after that point he could have just been following doing what his what his daddy told him yeah and it would have made about the same amount of difference yeah that's why i wondered if maybe they should have just skipped that. Maybe, I don't know. It just seems like something because I mean, they said, the aliens say, oh, this one needs a little extra power. So they did say that Zilla yeah. Jr. was more and it resistant. Does make, and it does make sense later on when they're showing the monsters attacking like all the major capitals and gods, and, and one Godzilla in, is in Tokyo while the other's in Washington. So, I mean. Because, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't think there are very many people who would mind godzilla destroying dc at this point i mean he wants if you want him to take out the capital i don't think anyone would miss it <laughs> well i mean uh the independence day aliens took it out once why not godzilla yeah yeah exactly. why not godzilla at this point <laughs> but i will say they do there is a line that i think was meant to create some tension which is if we break the mind control how do we know zilla jr will be loyal to us and not to daddy mm-hmm. so that's a good question that is a very good point so i give him credit for that but i do think it would have been a little more interesting actually a lot more interesting if the mind control didn't work so they used cyberzilla to basically persuade junior to side with them for at least a while or maybe it worked like a little bit but the 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 cyberzilla being there just kind of reinforced it yeah, and mm-hmm. since they were separated for so long, while one was on one side of the planet and the other was on the other, it was weakened enough that Nick could get back control mm-hmm. or yeah. get yeah. back in influence. I should say, yeah, he, Nick was never in control of Godzilla. Yeah. No, he could just point him in the right direction with mm-hmm. a bit of work. <laughs> I mean the the crew of the Hanna Hanna Barbera Godzilla show had more control over their Godzilla than Nick does. <laughs> Point you, Nick can just do suggestions and pray it work. The similarities between these shows is yeah, it is crazy. But the you don't have Godzuki. Re- the this. main difference really just boils down to tone and Godzuki. <laughs> yeah. Which that being said, I'd need to. Is he on the island? Godzuki? Yeah. 
I need I need the next time we're there, I need I, I want to see if I can get an interview with him. Oh, he he actually got on the air once. Oh, well that mm. makes sense, all things considered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that would be a nice interview. You know, get to an- interview an animation legend. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. He he's a he's a fun little guy. Yeah, fun little guy. Still don't know how he flies, but I do magic. True, but like I said, I still don't know how he's Godzilla's nephew. That's the weird part. How is Manila Godzilla's son? Adoption. And this could be similar. <laughs> the adopted nephew. Maybe it's Manila's cousin potentially anyway i'm guessing i don't know anyway back to the show so (laughs) this like i said this is when it really starts ramping up and by the end of this it's full tilt destroy all monsters where we have the montage of the kaiju attacking cities all over the world including i might add places that were in destroy all monsters which are also cities that rarely see kaiju action Mm -hmm. like paris the only other time i could think of unless i'm missing something Look it up, Jimmy, if you want. The only other time Paris has ever been attacked by Kaiju was destroying all monsters. I was thinking for a second maybe monsters and aliens, but I don't think that I don't think no. they actually did a worldwide thing in no, that. They so never didn't. mind. No. And you there was only it, one real monster and mm-hmm. that that could have done mm-hmm. that. And, and the yeah. bat goes to Moscow, and the only other times that I could think of where Moscow has been attacked by a kaiju was destroy all monsters and my novella, Destroyer, which you should go buy on Amazon right now. Yes, that. I'm starting the shameless self-promotion early. Sue me. <laughs> I have a copy of that somewhere around here. Oh, good for you. I'll be sure to sign it for you before you leave. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So the the montage, like I said, is where it makes it ab- abundantly clear. Yes, this is Destroy All Monsters now. And appropriately, Cyberzilla goes to Tokyo because, of course... <laughs> mm-hmm. Which really makes that one mother and that one episode that took place in Japan feel really weird when she says, silly boy, what would Godzilla be doing in Japan? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Afukabe. <laughs> Was that her name? I didn't yes. catch it. This is not a plane. Who made the, who made the Robo Yeti? Well, that was that episode, but th- oh, there was, the was, mom. Okay, you mean the mom? Yeah. The, when the boy said, "Look, mom, it's Godzilla." What would Godzilla be doing in Japan? <laughs> irony. Yeah, irony. But <laughs> so Cyberzilla is there, and Cyberzilla got an upgrade. He has a proper atomic breath now, probably probably from the cybernetic enough. Yes, and it's blue. It's freaking blue. Yes, finally. <laughs> he was just breathing fire in the movie for crying out loud. I don't know if that was fire or not. <laughs> it it was more dragon than kaiju is all I'm saying. Yeah, but it's it was blue. <laughs> you, it's like, you know that this is because most of the people who worked on the show were Godzilla fans. Like, you know, that's them tapping into their. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Into their fan, right. into their fandom right there. It's like make it blue. Give him fire, make it yeah. blue. The our, our regular boy, he's going to have green fire because but well, that's just blue. Co- that's just the color of the show, so mm-hmm. right. Right. And then Junior goes to Washington DC, which I don't think has ever been attacked by a kaiju before. Just aliens. Yeah. Just aliens. aliens. Again, times. Jimmy, you might want to research that. And I if I remember correctly, he took didn't he not didn't he knock off the top of the Washington Monument? <laughs> Am I getting it mixed up? I think he hit the Washington Monument and then said hello to the Lincoln Memorial. Yeah, pretty mm-hmm. much. Yeah. 
which is was amusing for me as a kid because I'm like, I've been there. <laughs> and I still haven't. So. Uh, I'm sorry. You have a teleporter now. It wouldn't be hard. <laughs> true. But hey, then deal you it. Have the issue of time off. Uh, this is true. Is hey, true. deal it. Can you send these boys to Washington, D.C.? She says there's some weird shield around Washington. Best she can do is Baltimore. Oh, oh darn. I wonder why. Uh-huh. Mm. uh-huh. Convenience. Mm. Well, the last thing that I will be, sh- I, I do want to make sure I mention for D-Lit this episode is I do. Sorry, Dilet said that, that whatever shield that is around Washington is the same one she detected around Area 51 a, a couple months back. Makes sense. Makes sense. Maybe the Anyway, aliens- sorry. I mean, they're, they said, well, maybe the aliens might come back. This could have only been round one. Maybe they're round still one. there. Fight. <laughs> Just saying, maybe they're in D.C. Maybe it's Final Fantasy Spirits Within. Please not. Dome Cities, please. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like that movie, but let's face it, that is a knockoff of Akira. <laughs> it's... Anyway, I'm before my before I get distracted by that. I one thing I will mention about another thing I will mention about part two is it has what I think could be essentially the thematic statement for this three parter said by Nick. He says, "Listen, spaceman, our isolated minds allow for diversity. Individuality isn't a weakness; it's our strength." Because apparently the aliens have a high determination is relevant. You must comply. (laughs) I'm sorry. I went straight to best of both worlds. Star Trek next generation. Of course you would. I would expect you would. It's like, that's, that's, that's not quite how Picard would have talked to him, but (laughs) the same thought. I mean, this, the brevity of the show doesn't allow for speechification. <laughs> this is the closest we get. Yes. Yeah. This is the closest you get, but yeah, because the aliens have a hive mind. Yes. Is they, they, cause they make reference to that. And mm. they think that the humans are weak because they don't have a hive mind. And they're always fighting with each other because he's, he said, even if you're united in purpose, you can't match us. Yeah, that's why we knocked. That's why we had we took care of you back on the on the Leviathan a couple episodes ago without any yeah. issue, wasn't it? <laughs> Although you did have something in your back pocket there, I'll we'll mm-hmm. admit. Yes, yes, quite. <laughs> but I also think it speaks to what what we're seeing in this in this three parter because by the you know spoiler warning in part three, the control of the monsters is broken, and then they start basically uniting together sort of yeah. to fight the aliens and they weren't expecting that well i mean once you i, I don't know i had something there and i lost it well inconceivable uh, <laughs> i'll try not to take that personally <laughs> <laughs> uh, what i will say is that it's a very american i guess you could say spin or version of a very prominent theme that you saw in, especially in Showa Godzilla films, mm-hmm. is it's a very Honda thing. The, oh, know, the yeah. Brotherhood of Man, and you know, people unite the world uniting together in a common cause. Mm-hmm. Just like I said, it's just a very American take on it, and it does sound very TNG ish. Well, it's just the first thing that came to my mind. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts on part two? Other than, I, even though I know this ain't Matthew Broderick voicing Nick here, Matthew Broderick is more like a Wesley than a Picard. But anyway, 
We talked about that the last time you guys were on. Sorry. About, about how it's Ian Ziering from Beverly Hills 90210, but it was originally one of his castmates. But mm -hmm. then he didn't have the time. It ended up being Cameron Winter. <laughs> and I get that. Mm -hmm. I get that. It's just, anyway. Yep. There's a part of me that's always going to feature the voice being Matthew Broderick, even though I know it's not Matthew Broderick. Yeah. It ain't Ferris Bueller. I get that. But anyway. <laughs> Tatopolis, Tatopolis, <laughs> come get your lizard. <laughs> here, lizard, lizard, lizard. Did you know they? There was one point where they. I think we talked. Did we talk about this the last time you guys were on? They wanted to have that dog on the show. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> oh. The Chihuahua dog. The yeah. Chihuahua taco dog. Yeah. The, the, the Taco, taco dog about dog. Chihuahua dog is the best Yo, part of the movie. Yellow Taco Bell. <laughs> You're a lizard, lizard. Anyway, part three. That's And that is also because Saban did have, apparently have a hand in making this show, too. And it, that seems like no, a very Saban really? move to make. At, at the height of Saban's power, they, had, they didn't have their fingers in everything at mm -hmm. this point. <laughs> At least on Fox, yeah. Before they sold everything to Disney? Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. So anyway, part three, which starts off with the aliens monologuing about their evil plans and what evil. they want to do. <laughs> and we find those like, yes, we're going to colonize your planet and enslave you uh, and enslave you. Which I feel like is a little different than most American and alien invasion stories. It seems like in American and alien invasion stories, it's just straight up genocide. And this one, it's like, no, nope, colonization yeah. and enslavement. Well, I mean, that kind of works with the whole, whole hive mind thing assimilating mm -hmm. into one culture. Mm -hmm. Well, and they apparently need I mean, vessels. These are, these are essentially bioborgs anyway. So. Yeah. And they need vessels to transplant yes. people's minds. Because in this yep. episode, we biological get... vessels. Yeah, vessels, vessels, <laughs> biological vessels. But actually, to go to, to piggyback off of that, but with something that happens later on in the episode, you want to talk about gruesomeness? We see one of the aliens just flat out melt. Yeah. Oh on yeah. Screen Ooh. alien death. Well, dude, even the 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 transformation scenes from at the end of this when they're oh, going yeah. back to human, and then earlier, it's like. Good night. This is a kid show. They got to give a lot. kids nightmares with this nonsense. They got a lot of away with a lot of stuff in this episode. Oh, yes. Yeah, they did. Actually, I kind of like the fact that as the episodes progress and then by the end of part two, it's Huffman. I think it's Huffman and Sopler. They are full mm -hmm. tilt aliens by that yeah. point. But for throughout the whole thing, they slowly morph into the aliens from scene to scene and I'm, yeah. I'm like it's, it's almost like a little metaphor for the slow corruption of their souls you know yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, right near the end of that of that one right before they unveil cyber godzilla there was that one big like <laughs> moment where they fully went alien that's mm -hmm. right yeah from that half alien look mm -hmm. yeah so i thought that was a, a, a nice progression that we saw there it's a good visual cue for what's going mm -hmm. on because at this point they're they are the bad guys. Yeah, and that and that effect does have a is a much more fluid animation than you see on the rest of the show too. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean it's just the style, right? Right, but yeah, it, it, 
but then they ask him. But then actually, they ask a question that I'm surprised doesn't get asked in more alien invasion stories. It was like, why are if you want to conquer the planet, why are you destroying it? Is it necessity? <laughs> we plan. We plan to uh, rebuild most of it. Yeah, we're going to rebuild most of it. We like some of your. We like some of your architecture, and then we get. <laughs> this is one of the best lines in the entire <laughs> yes. three-parter. That yes. how I wonderful to be known how clever they created aluminum siding. <laughs> yeah, how comfortable we know this piece of invented aluminum siding set by Craven. I'm like, this is why this show is good. There are not very many writers who would think to come up with something like that. That is just so good. <laughs> No, not the pyramids, nope, not nope. the Eiffel Tower, or or, or or the Parthenon, or all. Nope, nope. nope aluminum. Just the trailer parks. <laughs> yeah, just the trailer parks. <laughs> hey, these are trailer park aliens by the looks of them. So. <laughs> Can't you just see them out there with their with the twelve gauges shooting at the, at the pigs, wearing flannel and a, a, a beer cap? <laughs> only if one of them talks like boomhauer <laughs> okay i can maybe i can see that <laughs> one of them sells propane and propane accessories <laughs> the other one's days are long behind him in high school when they won the uh, football took the, took the football team to state <laughs> and the other one runs the extermination business oh, and, and throws pocket sand at people he can't ramble about conspiracy theories though because he is a conspiracy theory he is the conspiracy theory he is the conspiracy theory <laughs> yeah I may have to somehow meme that I don't know how I'm going to have to like take like the alien faces and just photoshop them on top of the four characters from mm -hmm. King of the Hill <laughs> Our word. I don't know if my Photoshop skills are that good, though. <laughs> I'll see if I can give you a hand with that when we get back to back home. Mm -hmm. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> if aluminum siding. <laughs> I'm sure they like the look of Walmart, too. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> what would they do with Walmart? <laughs> always get low prices obviously no. of course. but would there be money. money in their post-invasion utopia <laughs> well that depends are they communist or capitalist this is true but considering they have a hive mind i'm going with communist mm. Mm. Maybe. maybe 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 i would love to i would love to hear your economic theories about how you can make a hive mind work with capitalism have I mentioned I'm a graphic designer and don't know jack about the economy? <laughs> <laughs> well, and then maybe you shouldn't talk about communism and capitalism. <laughs> maybe so. But anyway. Yeah, anyway. He doesn't have a doctorate in that yet. I don't have a doctorate, no. period. <laughs> I'm lucky to have an associate's degree. Thank you very much. <laughs> Two of them. <laughs> Ooh, well, two, do, does two associate's degrees make a bachelor's? It should, it but should, it doesn't. doesn't. <laughs> Especially since one of them is general studies. So you majored in useless knowledge. I majored in I'm going to another college and then realized, oh, yeah, nothing I'm studying I can actually do because I forgot I suck at math. <laughs> uh, well, anyway. Yeah, I thought I was going into programming. I didn't. 
<laughs> Speaking of goofy graphic design, I love how the psionic amplifier array, there's some techno babble for you, yeah. looks like a giant cornball. Oh, like that's any better than the satellite dish that looks like an up upside down mushroom. Very true. Don't say mushroom too loud. He might show up. My apologies. <laughs> kind of like Beetlejuice. You see it three times. Shh. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Silence. You call us. <laughs> he did it once already. Anyway. <laughs> I know, Jimmy. <laughs> You're disturbed too. Anyway, we're moving on. So. Yeah, the, so yeah, the giant cornball, uh, <laughs> and, and I love how they're like uh, Craven's like I'm going to techno babble this thing, and then Monique just shoots it. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> perfect solution. <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> Sometimes the right solution is the easy one. <laughs> mm -hmm. Let's see, I could use multimodal reflection sorting or boom. <laughs> takes care of the problem although before that okay i have to ask you guys this because i can't figure out if the writers were doing something incredibly clever here or if this was a massive oversight because before heat goes in there before they just shoot the thing and blow it up blow up the cornball mm -hmm. they're trying to figure out what to do and but it basically Monique is talking about how they're going to go in there and overload the thing. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then Randy says, or as we say in English, and then Nick finishes the sentence by saying sabotage. I'm like, hold on guys. That's a French word. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if you watch Star Trek six, they tell you yeah, where it came from. the same thing. <laughs> It was about so throwing. No, because she said she said we could throw a monkey wrench into their operation, yeah. mm -hmm. like, and then as we say in English, shoes. sabotage. Because sabotage, the word sabotage, again, watch Star Trek Six. Went back to I think I'm trying to remember. Was it the they Industrial used Revolution? Their, they would throw shoes. Their wooden into machinery. shoes called sabot into the machinery to keep it from working. Hence the word sabotage. Thank yeah. you, Vulcan lady. Yeah, yeah, obviously the villain. Varus. Varus. No, not yes. Varus. It, it's it's Valera or Valeris. Yeah, Valeris. Valeris. She's a knockoff of Kirstie Alley's character. Moving on. Yeah, moving on. But <laughs> uh, Savic. Anyway. Savic. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I, I'm like, were you guys being clever there? Because if you were with French lady, because French lady uses the because French lady uses the American idiom and then they use the French word. I don't know if this is clever or a huge oversight. My suspicion oversight. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you it's say a that? Clever line. Yeah, it's a clever line. At the, but at the same time, it's like eh, that almost thinks it almost feels like it was thought out too much. Yeah, it was. It put too much thought into it and it kind of made it awkward. <laughs> it I wasn't, see both. I see both it, of it. It didn't flow well is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I, I was just like, wait a minute. I bet it could be a case of I have the curse of knowledge. That's always possible. Mm. Or the curse of watching Star Trek Six. Among many things. Yes. Yes. Quite. <laughs> but we did have the th uh, we did have the part before this where they're able to break Elsie of the mind control because <laughs> Monique is a cavalcade of convenient 
but weird skills. <laughs> That's kind of her point in this show. Yeah. <laughs> Deus Ex Monique. There we yeah, go. Deus Ex Monique. She's either the muscle or has a lot of weird skills that she just pulls out of nowhere because French super spy. Yes. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it's like a weird sort of hypnosis thing <laughs> that she I can use to calm people work. down or break mind control. My only problem there is once they once Elsie is breaks control, it has a very Spock's brain feel to it. <laughs> you're not kidding. <laughs> you're going, you're going to Spock's brain. I'm just remembering Doctor McCoy after he gets the thing put in, so he figures out how to rewire Spock's uh, rewire Spock's brain to put back into Spock. And he goes, "Of course, it's so simple. A five year old could do it." It's like, and yet you won't remember this five minutes from now. <laughs> and it's that same kind of thing. It's like, oh, of course, I know how to do this. I've, I got access to all their stuff. 15 minutes later, I don't know crap. <laughs> yeah, but they give an explanation in this. It's because they blew up the satellite, so they weren't beaming anything into her head anymore. Mm -hmm. Yes, but it's still a very Spock's brainish uh, convenience. Mm -hmm. How else are they going to get out of there? I'm with him. I'm just reeling from the fact that Spock's brain was brought into this discussion. <laughs> For those who don't know, Spock's brain is probably the most infamous episode of the original Star Trek and it usually gets ranked yeah. as one of the worst episodes. It's one I would love to see the Rift Treks guys make fun of. Oh, it would be so easy to riff that one. Oh, yeah, it's almost too easy. I will, I will admit, at least that one is a so bad it's good sort of an episode. Yeah. There, it's so I would argue it's not the absolute. No, worst that was later because in the it season. still has some entertainment value, but still, it is infamous among Star Trek fans. Yeah, it's it's not the worst episode of Star Trek ever made. Moving we'll on, get into what is the worst. <laughs> yeah, moving on, but still, she pulls that. I guess convenience uh, yeah. it gets a little convenient but it's also i guess it's because it's telepathy and not technology like in destroy all monsters where all you had to do was oh i don't know rip earrings off of a off of a woman and then she's not mind controlled anymore but her ears hurt <laughs> she's not gonna be able to think straight anyway in that situation yeah well that's what happened yeah they just rip the earrings off and just ow yeah mm -hmm. ow Couldn't the aliens have made those clip-ons yeah yeah <laughs> Apparently not. Yeah, those uh, those dang disco space nuns is just yeah. I but anyway, so <laughs> so they got so they're we're setting it up so that we're keeping the humans pretty proactive at this point. Our protagonists they're still running around doing stuff. They hijack an alien ship. They're attacking some of the alien ships because some of the monsters and some of the monsters are coming back to the island and trying to fight Cyberzilla. And there's, there's all of this stuff going on. And then they break the uh, Godzilla. Uh, Zilla shows up. Because the mind control has been broken, but they still have control of Cyberzilla, and then Cyber and then Zilla Junior has to make a decision: Nick or Big Daddy. And he makes a decision by blowing up an alien ship because that's yes. what you do when you want to make get your point across. You nuke mm -hmm. an alien ship. Yes. <laughs> Look who's been readopted. Yes, <laughs> great line. Uh, and then we get what we've been waiting for. We get the showdown between mm -hmm. father and son, mother and child, however, yes. parent and child. I don't know. However you want to put it. What would you guys think of that fight? It was a good fight. 
my only issue is it's like I saw the end coming from a mile away. <laughs> yeah, you can't exactly keep Zilla in the show. <laughs> when you know that you've got another half quarter of the season left, mm -hmm. <laughs> at least, before you consider there's a second season. Uh, more like two-thirds, but yeah, two-thirds of the show. But <laughs> Well, I was thinking just the season. Yeah. Because they could have been canceled at the end of the first. Anyway. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, there's not much. You, you kind of know that it, it's it's like it's like going to a superhero movie. You know they're gonna, who's going to win. The question is just how you get there. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the fight is good. It's just short because we didn't have much. We didn't have much time left in the episode. And the fact no. that Zilla Junior literally just takes a bite out of the. Uh, the yeah, I wanted to talk. Yeah. This is there are points where this is Plus, weirdly we violent. About like, yeah, we are talking about essentially zombie cyborg Zilla. Yeah, here, not yeah. well. This is not the Zilla that that took that, that was around in New York early, uh, earlier that year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're, <laughs> this is a very neutered Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, but Cyberzilla takes an atomic breath to the face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you went there, and then he loses an arm. Because his arm gets shot off. Now it's a robot arm, so that's probably how they got away with it. But yeah, because you you can blow up robots, you just can't blow up humans. Yeah, yeah, or monsters, biologicals. Yeah, but then yeah, as you pointed out, Jacob Junior just rips out his I don't know his, uh, to quote C three PO his rusty innards. <laughs> Fatality. Yes. Godzilla Jr. wins. I just, yeah, oh, I just perfect. I'm just saying, this is great. This is actually strangely violent. And this is one of the few monsters on the show who actually dies. Yes. Mm -hmm. But you got to take out Senior sooner or later. Yeah. And he's already dead for most of the beginning of this. So bringing him back was kind of a, a, a cool thing to do anyway. But you can't have him be like, I guess you could have had him being a threat going forward, but then that would only work if somehow Cameron Winters had gotten a hold of him. Oh, that would have been so fun. <laughs> that would have been would fun, have. but I don't think they thought of that. Probably not. They also probably thought, let's not abuse this too much. Let's pu True. We'll put it in yeah. the big three-parter, but we probably shouldn't use Cyberzilla again because it would kind of cheapen it. And mm. I kind of suspect this may have been part of the sequel idea and that's why it got reused actually no but there were other things from the show that seemed uh, other things from the show that looked like they were taken from that sequel which we'll talk wow. about here in a minute well then i'm slightly disappointed that 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 roland demerick didn't think to go full mechagodzilla in a sequel i don't know there was they were supposed to get a trilogy so maybe maybe by movie three it would happen I don't know. yeah yeah i don't know but yeah the aliens get beat that somehow Hoffman and Sopler are not dead. They partially revert, but not all the mm. way. And then they said, oh, we'll just have to work on reviving them. And I'm like, are you sure they're not that, dead? That's because of censorship. Yeah, they can't yeah. exactly be like, oh, they're dead. They have to be able to come back eventually. Yeah. Because we can't kill a human, even though we just showed them mutate into weirdo aliens. And the aliens can melt. We'll, ha we'll have aliens melt pretty gruesomely. Yeah, but, yeah. But those two aliens never melt because they were. We saw them turn into aliens from humans, so they're somewhat protected by the censorship rule. Plot. Armor. I don't know. I, I don't may know. be reading too much into that. Yeah, 
probably. But, you know, it ends with them saying, oh, we got to go find all the monsters and we'll bring them to the island. So we get a monster island in this. Ain't that lovely. Yep. Mm. Yep. And it does factor into some fa into some future episodes, including a really clever one later. Have you uh, have you seen that one? No, I, I need to go back and finish watching the whole show. Okay, there's one later where a bunch of eco terrorists take over the island, and it's done as found footage. Ah, Peta saves Kaiju. Gotcha. Nope, huh. Scale. That's the name of the with, organization with, and their with, leader. With Kaiju Peta. <laughs> and their leader. That. I forget her name, but the their leader is voiced by Linda Blair. With a name like Scale, her name ought to be Talon. I'm just saying. I don't remember what her name is. I just, I just remember it was she was voiced by Linda Blair. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so this is definitely the point where you can tell they're really throwing more of the Japanese stuff into this. Yes. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, and like I said, this whole this whole three parter was an homage to Destroy All Monsters. That's pretty obvious. I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I think this these are the three best episodes of the show. I think I agree with that actually. Yeah, there's nothing quite this epic throughout the rest of. It. There's still good episodes. Yeah, but nothing nearly this epic. And it comes relatively early too. It's within the first third of the show. I'm sure it was like their first major tent pole arc that they had come up with yeah mm -hmm. and maybe they thought they could do something later but then you know digimon happened and, that's yeah, a whole and then the show just despite... a whole other kettle of digifish yeah yeah because despite it's you know, really good ratings it the show became a victim of the pokemon digimon wars because that mm -hmm. was the new hotness very true and it those only died recently so yeah because pokemon finally aired its last episode no it didn't well, Ash, Ash is just, done. Ash, Ash is done, but they're making another season, another mm. season with a new character. Of course they are, because money. Because that show will never die. No, we. It's just they're finally saying, "Oh, we've run out of ideas to do with these characters, so we'll make new yeah. characters." Hopefully that'll work. Yeah, because that worked for every other show. Yeah. He 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 he. Anyway, any final Our thoughts games on, on this? motorcycles? Anyway, <laughs> any. <laughs> Any final thoughts on this three-parter? <laughs> this was a fun three episodes. It I was. enjoyed them. Good story. Very yeah. good story. Yeah, I a little I wish we got more like this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really do think that this show is a little underestimated because the, the, the talent in this was just mm -hmm. exceptionally good. Like you know, it was well, it's, people it's, who, got, it's got the unfortunate connection to one of the most least well-received Godzilla films. And it does have a, a art style in its animation that not many people gravitate toward. Mm -hmm. It does look a little weird. I will yeah. say that. I like it just because of its difference, but mm -hmm. that's, but that's the same reason I liked MIB the series also. Mm -hmm. So, and they also made extreme ghostbusters. Yes. Same studio. I like that. I think I like the studio. It's just, they never did anything else after this. Mm -hmm. I don't think so anyway. And what about you, Jacob? What'd you think? I enjoyed it. I like the build up of the aliens. I like their let's let's resurrect, you know, the OG Godzilla mm -hmm. and have that be a a pivot point in the story. Mm -hmm. And then you have all of our characters kind of fighting with each other and they have to solve that issue. Why they're fighting with each other. Like, oh, of course, it's the aliens. Mm -hmm. And then the obviously you get the monsters fighting or 
fighting and they go out and destroy you try to destroy the world for the aliens can take over of course <laughs> and all, all those little factors but like it was a really really good build up of three stories that concluded very well and obviously it's a series of course <laughs> i forgot i had that on the sound bank <laughs> but it wraps up very nicely and they like we 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 get uh obviously you get cyberzilla in which we finish off cyberzilla and obviously the zilla jr triumphs over everything mm -hmm. and it's just it's a good wrapped up solid story little mm -hmm. thing little hiccups here and there mm -hmm. yeah there are some little hiccups it it's not entirely perfect but like i said i remember when it was when it was airing it was the hype train was was real mm -hmm. when that was going on and it, it was getting advertised everywhere this show really was what Godzilla 98 should have been yeah <laughs> it really was and you know I I can tell you right now having been having uh, ha having talked with you know the guys and gals from heat they said like, yeah they got it pretty right it was nuts when oh. that went it was nuts when that went on so mm. <laughs> Roland Emmerich tried but he made a typical movie yes he did he did honestly Emmerich and Devlin probably peaked early with Independence Day I like a couple of their stuff after this, but I mean, I like it because it's the same type of stupid end of the world plots right. over and over again. I, I I find some enjoyment in, at, at, in the craziness. Some of some of Emmerich's early films, like Stargate, Stargate. yeah, mm -hmm. Stargate, Stargate. That was an interesting film. Yeah, yeah. But, I think but, I think I've said this on the on both of the other episodes on this show, but go figure. Much like with Stargate, they make a TV sequel, and mm -hmm. the, and the TV show is better yeah yeah that's what i've heard yeah because sg1 is pretty good i mean what seven eight seasons can't be wrong no. 10 10 i couldn't remember 10 seasons and three films and like two spinoff shows yeah, yeah two spinoff shows yeah that's it's a franchise <laughs> quite the franchise but speaking of stargate you're better than firefly <laughs> oh, oh man Ooh, too soon uh hashtag too soon <laughs> My producer agrees with me, but anyway, but speaking of Stargate, that is that, that transition will make sense here in a second, because I did want to talk a bit about Godzilla two, the unmade sequel. I have to give special thanks to Kaiju masterclass at, on YouTube and John LeMay, my friend, John LeMay for uh, in his lost films book. This is where I got most of this information mm -hmm. because Kaiju masterclass actually interviewed the screenwriter tab Murphy who got connected with uh, uh, with Emmerich and Devlin because of Stargate. There you ah. go. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he became acquainted with them because one of the producers on Stargate was a producer in a film he directed in the early 90s called Last of the Dogmen. So he got invited to the set. There's a joke there. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not going to make it. <laughs> but he got <laughs> invited to the set of Stargate and got to hang out with everybody. So, like I said, TriStar wanted to make a trilogy of these movies. They were willing to go along with making the first sequel because despite the critical lambasting that the first movie got, it was actually profitable. Yeah. It was strangely profitable. And they said, if it makes $400 million, we'll make the sequel. It did make that much. Hmm. Now, Tab Murphy's Oscar nominated. He was nominated for Gorillas in the Mist and... Here's a connection for you two in particular. He worked on a lot 
of Disney movies in the 90s, like Hunchback hmm. of Notre Dame and Hercules and Atlantis, The Lost Empire, just to name a few. All films we reviewed so far. Well, no, we haven't reviewed Hunchback yet. That's right. We haven't reviewed You haven't? Oh, my gosh. It's just not one we've gotten to yet. Yeah. We'll get there when we get there. Okay. And Murphy said that he was a Godzilla fan growing up. So we got a guy who knows what, you know, who's talented and he's a fan. He was really excited about working on this. Mm -hmm. And he said that Emmerich and Ed Devlin gave him a lot of freedom and he was hoping to make the sequel more of a traditional Godzilla story while maintaining the tone of the original. And he wanted to bring more heart and emotion into the story, which once I give you some of the bullet points of what his story would, uh, what the story of the sequel would have been, that will make sense here. Okay. And he's an outdoorsy guy. So he was going to set the movie primarily in the Australian outback. There's a lot of similarities between the show and this to the point where when he was being interviewed on Kaiju masterclass, they asked him, did you ever work with the guys from the animated series? He said, Nope. <laughs> <laughs> But it's not just the animated series. There's cross-pollination with some of the stuff that Toho did later. Yeah. Mm. It's kind of nutty. And he said that basically the theme of his script, if it had gotten made, would have been, do these mutations have a right to exist? So. That's the plot of Jurassic, Jurassic World, World Fallen too. Kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> More connections. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, here's a quick little rundown of his script his story treatment by the way the script that he wrote did leak online in the early 2000s and the people who read it actually liked it hmm. so i should tell you something the godzilla fans who hated that first movie they read his sequel and they're like actually we like this why don't you make it <laughs> please please anyway so it starts with immediately after the first movie Nick Totopoulos goes to a lab where the where Daddy Zilla is being dissected, and okay. he feels sorry for the thing. He feels tremendous empathy for it, especially he said. And Murphy said this is especially emphasized where in a scene where Zilla's eyeball is getting sliced, and Nick thinks back to how just a short time before this that that eye was full of life. Mm -hmm. And then he leaves because he just can't stand watching it. And then he goes down into the New York sewers to see if he can find a baby Zilla. And he does. He finds the one baby Zilla that survived from the end of the movie. Yeah. And just like in the show, he finds the, he finds baby Zilla and it imprints on him. But here's where it does diverge in the a scene that I have seen in the movies. Huh? But the, the better imprinting I've seen in recent years. <laughs> well, the this is a scene, the better. Yes. Well, this is followed by a scene that I have to think probably would have given people like us flashbacks to the Ninja Turtles movie. But he gets uh, Nick gets an overcoat and throws it onto the baby Zilla and leads him away to the waterfront to, uh, to get him to swim away before the soldiers arrive. Does he feed him pe pepperoni pizza on the way? <laughs> no, he buys a bunch of fish from a fish market. Anchovies, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Murphy said it was a tough love moment because he had to make him swim away. Then it jumps ahead two years, and Nick is is about to marry, or I think he just married Audrey, the reporter. Yes. Good for him. Because, well, one of the things that he was told to do is get rid of Audrey <laughs> because nobody liked her. 
in the movie. I thought she was fine. It was her. It was the other two people running around with her I didn't like. Well, Maria Patillo was not well liked. So they told her, like, get rid of her. So basically what happens is on his wedding day, Nick gets into a limo. He's not so, he's, I guess he's having second thoughts about the whole thing. And then the limo basically drives away and kidnaps him. It turns out the limo driver is Philippe Roche. Yeah. Ah. So I, we would have gotten Sean Renault back. And Sean Renault was the best thing in that movie. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> and he tells him he's got a, he's got a new mission and they're, they go to the outback and they meet a woman named Anna Charlton, who Tab Murphy described as being like Diane Fossey. Okay. Again, gorillas in the mist. Yes. Mm. And you find out that she's been hiding the, uh, the baby Zella, who's now grown up. So I guess junior and he, she, whatever has made a new nest with more babies. Of course. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Rose tries to call Hicks to have them all destroyed. And uh, the other thing that's going on is there are a bunch of weird disasters that have been happening where people are disappearing, even though they should be finding lots of bodies. Mm -hmm. And Roche thinks that Z Zilla Jr. is responsible for that. So there's some character tension logic. going on yeah. there. Mm -hmm. So interestingly, there is a scene in this script where Zilla Jr. dives into water and you see flashes of light in the water which is a foreshadowing of him actually having atomic breath that gets revealed mm -hmm. in the final fight. Because a bunch of fish float up to the surface and then he takes the fish over to give to the babies in the nest, firmly establishing right. that Zilla is not the one responsible for all of the disasters. Then the characters go to a monster island where the French nuclear test that originally mutated Zilla Jr., well, the original Zilla, took place. Mm -hmm. And they find the real culprit, a giant Alien? insect that is a combination of a winged termite and a wasp, which is funny because there was a giant bee in this yeah. show. But and the, and the bee was in the was in Monster Wars. Yeah. But this sounds like it's like we can't use Mothra, but we're going to get as close as possible. <laughs> uh, it's more like Megagirus. But before Megagirus, I'll come back to that. Yeah, yeah Jimmy. I don't know if I can actually say what the thing's official name is without being censored. Can you grant me an exception? Okay. Cover your ears, fellas, if in case you need to. But the name given by our heroes for this monster is Queen Bitch. Yeah, uh, I don't... Yeah, okay, maybe. Work with it. And my thought it was... better how... if it's a dog kaiju, but sure. <laughs> I disagree, Jimmy. That one was funny. Maybe a bulldog? <laughs> Maybe a bulldog? Yeah. So it's got kind of the British connection? Yeah. My first thought was, how would we market that to kids with the toys? What they probably would have done is just shorten it to Queen Bee. Yeah. Just put the little, the, what they call that? Uh, I, could want, I want, nearly said Skrillex. That's not what it's called. The... <laughs> Growlix. The Growlix symbols in there. That's all you need. Uh, Queen asterisk uh, at sign pound sign <laughs> exclamation point. Queen bleep. Yes, Queen bleep. <laughs> yes, that's actually what you call her. Queen bleep. Queen bleep. Queen bleep. I need this now. You get so I need, I need a super villain <laughs> Queen bleep. 
Oh God, I probably am giving the Church of Mothrianity ideas. Oh, please don't. Oh no. They're Jessica, I'm sorry. Do you realize I had to fight them off with a stick last year? Because uh, of all that goop that that I when we fell on the egg. I didn't oh. have any of it left because I got it all washed off while I was at Monster Island, but they were convinced there was something. Oh, good lord. They might come after you because the goop made some weird alterations to your genetic code or something, and then they'll mutate you into a mothman. No. (sighs) Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Not all that took care of while I was on the island. Yeah. Thank God. There've been no sign. Or thank Godzilla. I don't know. But anyway, it turns out, as you probably would have guessed, the queen bee, the queen bleep, we'll call her the queen bleep. Is the one who's responsible for all of the disasters. Of course. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. And then obviously this all culminates with the big monster fights. But before we get to there, the military shows up and actually destroys the nest and everyone in the nest except for the parent and one of the babies that in the treatment and script is called the runt. They're the yeah, only ones who survive. Let's just call them Nilla for now. Yeah, actually, yeah, you could argue that it's Manila. And then no, the, it can't be Manila because they wouldn't let him use that. He's just Nilla. true. But then Queen Bleep goes to Sydney, captures Anna, seemingly kills the runt, Manila, whatever you want to call whatever you want to call him, and then takes Anna to the island. And then Nick and our heroes go over there. They save Anna, and there's a bunch of captured humans that are in an underground nest that the queen bleep hasn't fed to her horde of ugly, ugly babies. By the way, there was an egg also in, uh, in Sydney and in a, of course a bit was. of a turnabout <laughs> turnabout is fair play. When the queen bleep kills the runt, the enraged Zilla jr. Torches her egg. <laughs> I mean, it could have been worse, but okay. Right. <laughs> but anyway, turns out, the runt's not dead because he does show up at the last second with Junior and they save everybody and they defeat the Queen Bleep. And then this would have been a, this would have been cool to see when the military shows up to kill both Dadzilla and the runt. The humans that he re- that they rescued all form a line around them to bar the military from hurting them. Ah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And then Hicks, it's Hicks, actually. They oblige and leave them alone. Hicks is a good guy, deep down. Yeah. So Murphy said that one of the reasons he did this is because he wanted to make Zilla empathetic. And he says, how do you do that? You make him a parent. Well, and this makes sense in the last, Mm -hmm. in in the the first movie, Godzilla was a villain. Mm -hmm. Now you make him the hero, just like in the show era. Mm Mm-hmm. And because he, he said he's the father of five and he had five kids running around. So I was like, oh, I'll give Zilla some kids. I can Why go with not? that. Mm-hmm. Why not? There is a scene that's very Jurassic Park-esque because there's a point where there's a Zilla stampede and the characters are riding mm-hmm. in a Jeep and then Anna shows up and saves all of them. Nice. Cool. John outlined this in his book. I, I This is my favorite of the ones. He said, there's some interesting attempts at humor that John thinks was better than what was in the first movie. And I would tend to agree. The one that he mentioned that I thought was pretty funny was early on when we first see the baby Zilla in the overcoat, there's a point where there's an old bum who begs him for money. And then, uh, <laughs> and then the baby Zilla almost bites his hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Now he said the monster Island in this yeah. is more like 
Jules Verne's mysterious island as opposed to actual monster island, which I can vouch for. Right. <laughs> and he said the, the giant egg is in a, that I mentioned in Sydney it was in a greenhouse enclosure. Potential homage to Mothra versus Godzilla. Yeah. And the scene where Zilla Jr. incinerates a horde of insects, he's like, oh, that's kind of like Godzilla versus Megagirus. Did you read the script, Toho? <laughs> Just saying. And Toho can sometimes be a bunch of old fuddy-duddies. Yeah. What's funny is that here's another connection for you. It's like, Toho, did you read the script? Have you guys seen Final Wars? I haven't watched it yet. Mm. Not yet. Zillow shows up in that. I'm aware. In I've Sydney. seen the scene. I've seen that particular scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like I said, it's in Sydney. Yeah. And Sydney factors pretty uh, a lot into the in this unmade sequel. Hmm. That's subtle. Sad. Yeah. Yep. Very, now, you might be, subtle. now, if you're wondering why this didn't get made, because this actually sounds pretty cool. I, would th- I think this would have been a great movie. Oh, and the other thing I should mention is we find out by the end of the movie that Audrey Audrey annulled her marriage with Nick. And he's like, oh, that's fine. I'll get with Anna now. Because apparently there was a lot of sexual tension between them the entire movie. Right. But you might be wondering, why didn't this get made? No one really knows. Could have been because the budget that they would have needed to make this as it was would have been too high, especially with the poor reception that the first movie got. Especially at that era. Yeah. Yep. It also could have not be quite good enough yet. Mm-hmm. It also, John theorizes, could have been because of the underperformance of Godzilla 2000 in U.S. theaters. So, no, like I said, no one really knows for sure. But what do you think? Like I said, <laughs> there's a lot of similarities with the show. I agree. Sounds like it would have been a a great sequel if we'd have gotten it. Yeah, it sounds Mm -hmm. like an interesting concept for a film. Mm -hmm. And it does make sense that perhaps they took some of those ideas and just reworked them into the show later. Yeah. Yeah, but no, even Tab Murphy wasn't sure if it was just cross-pollination or if they read the script or because he said he never worked with any of these people. And the show was in production a year before the movie came, the first movie came out. It Mm could have just been coincidence. Coincidence. That would have that would have definitely though if they had made that sequel, it would have made this show completely non-canon. Yeah, and I don't know how to feel about that, but they, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that something like that's happened. I mean, you had well, the, I mean, real, was, the real the real Ghostbusters was, in the yeah. '80s, but then they made a Ghostbusters too. That while was, the show was, was still on. Yeah, that but that was standard at the time with these yeah. Saturday morning cartoons. Anyway, they were just made to to get kids excited to watch the show and then some time later on they'd make another movie that may have had some callbacks but you know it's gonna, they're gonna do their own thing yeah right but anyway like i said i would have liked to have seen this it's unfortunate that it didn't get made but i mean at least we got the show out of it and i still have like doing the math of my i still have about 31 episodes to go <laughs> right <laughs> with with any with any future coverage of it but like I said, we just talked about the three best episodes. <laughs> we really did. This is the show at its best. I agree. Mm-hmm. Of what and I've watched. Yeah. I'll admit, I still have not finished the show. Mm-hmm. Which is cool, man. Take your time. Take your time. I got too many shows to watch right now as it is. I feel your pain. <laughs> <laughs> there are reasons why I'm cutting back on the number of podcasts I'm doing. <laughs> Which is very fair. Uh... 
Well, that was certainly fun, fellas. I'm glad that I could have had you back on, although now I may have gotten you kind of pigeonholed. I guess whenever I talk about the show, I have to have you back on now, barring like Patreon-sponsored episodes for the show. Oh, you never know. Some other cartoon kaiju thing might come up. Yeah. I mean, there's a few animes that are coming up now. Yeah. So it's possible. A few other tokusatsus I'd gladly come on an episode for. (laughs) <laughs> well you guys are patrons so you get to pick stuff <laughs> yeah think about that <laughs> actually i don't think we're, we're quite that high on the regular yeah i i will be opening up patreon slots in the next couple of months so for next year i will keep an eye out and up my pledge when necessary <laughs> well <laughs> you won't have to because damon noise just he's basically a a producer on this show now because he won't lower his pledge so he's basically just created a scholarship for everybody <laughs> oh well there you go <laughs> but i won't stop you if you want to upgrade <laughs> oh i'm sure you'd accept more money of course yeah. we all would yeah <laughs> yes jimmy Spaceballs to the search for more money there's a sequel i want although that's actually an interesting question considering your patreon do you get that money or does the board get that money? Yeah. Oh, I get that money, sir. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was just curious. Okay. I didn't know how mad the board was ripping you off. Oh, no, 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 no. Trust me. I get that money. I know a very good lawyer. He makes sure that they get not a cent. <laughs> well, that works for me. Yep. Yeah, indeed. But now, gentlemen, it's time. For <laughs> it's now time for a segment of the show where you get to shout yourselves out. I shall Danny Domana! Bex from Redeemed Otaku! Damon Noise! The Soundcast! Eric Anderson! Ted Williams! Winja the Ninja! Brad Batman Edmund! Christopher Reiner! The Indiscreet One. Jake Hambrick! Edwin Gonzalez! Matt Walsh! But not that Matt Walsh. Jonathan Cartwright! Robert Kidd! Leon Campbell! I don't know if we need a Kamehameha or an atomic breath at this point. (laughs) Either way. (laughs) Either way. (laughs) Well, you and your fellow patrons have been thoroughly shouted out. Thank you guys once again for everyone who contributes. If you would like to join MIFV Max and get shoutouts like this, starting at just $3 a month, check out MIFV on Patreon. And you can find all kinds of other great perks on there, like like blooper audio and behind-the-scenes stuff, like uncut recordings and things like that. (laughs) And scripts and all kinds of fun stuff. And... If you want to get really crazy, you can sponsor episodes like these gentlemen. 
<laughs> Except, ironically, this was not a sponsor for one. No, but you no. guys are you guys have a sponsored episode coming up soon. <laughs> yes, hmm. that is actually going to be combining some of our favorite things all into one. <laughs> but we'll talk about that Indeed. a little bit later. Hmm. But speaking of upcoming episodes, I do need to mention to everybody what we'll be covering in the next month. Actually, before we get back to more of the world tour, you're going to get another impromptu episode, this time over the 1962 semi-obscure Dye classic, The Whale God, which may as well be the prototype for all of their kaiju films to come. And I will be joined not just by Daniel DeManna, as I mentioned in the previous episode, but also by host of Kaiju Conversation and at points... My friendly rival, frenemy, not quite sure. The littlest gatekeeper himself, Elijah Thomas. Anyway, back to the show. First off, as I mentioned, we're in Seoul, South Korea. And as part of the Monster Island World Tour, Jimmy and I will be talking about, arguably, South Korea's most famous monster, Yonguri, Monster from the Deep, from 1967. And my guest will be kaiju author, G-Fest staple, friend of the podcast, and the most hardcore fan of this film that I know, Neil Reby. Look forward to it. And then we get to our first Patreon-sponsored episode of Season 4. Not from these gentlemen, no. From my, basically... I don't know if he's an executive producer or whatever. I mean, I already got a producer. His name is Jimmy. So I don't know where exactly he fits in with all of this. But Damon Noise will get the first Patreon sponsored episode, like I said, of the season. And it's going to be a double feature. Mm. Mm. Tell me if you can detect the theme of this double feature. Okay. From, I believe it, I could be wrong, Jimmy. You may need to correct me in your blog, but we'll be it will be looking at two movies, one from 1957 and one from 1980, Attack of the Crab Monsters and Island Claws. Beach movies. Sounds like a beach movie. Yeah, that's one commonality. Also. <laughs> yeah, it's, it does sound a bit crabby. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I had never heard of Island Claws until he told me. And he in, he claims, even though I can't find any information to confirm this, although I can't find much information on this movie, period, he claims it's a remake of the first one, Attack of the Crab Monsters. I'll take your word for it. I ain't heard of either one. Yeah, I have seen clips of, of Island Claws, and it looks like thorough <laughs> early 80s schlock. <laughs> So you're saying it ain't going to be no Ibarra, Ibarra, how do you say it? Ebera. Ebera. It's not going to be any Ebera Horror of the Deep is what you're telling me. Nope. I think Ebera could probably beat the monsters in this movie. (laughs) But he has a, but Damon has also promised me that he's got a very strange, quote unquote, toku topic to bring up for this one. Apparently, he says that there's some theory out there that insists that evolution is trying to turn everything into crabs. I've heard this theory. I don't believe it, but yes. Yeah. So it should be interesting to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. What's funny is I found out that there is a Blu-ray special edition of attack of the crab monsters, and it actually had some special features in it that made the scholar in me very happy problem is that there were only 1,000 of them ever printed by Shout Factory, so it's long out of print, and now most people want minimum $100 for it. 
That's a shame. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> yeah. <that's enough. laughs> All kinds of nope. <laughs> but yeah, that theory about you know everyone's evolution turning everything to crabs. You know that that's just a theory. A crab theory. Thanks oh. for watching. Snap. Oh, snap. <laughs> I think Jimmy's a little worried over there. He doesn't know what to do. He's like, I want to hit the button and say something, but I just, I, I, he's got nothing. He's got nothing. But I just wanted to he... make it, but make that joke before your guest, your Patreon guest had a chance. <laughs> I don't think he'll make, I don't know if he'll make the joke or not. I don't know if he will or not. It's just I don't know if he will. I don't know if he will or not. So uh, I guess you'll have to tune in to find out but before you guys get thoroughly canceled you should do some shameless self-promotion <laughs> you can find me on facebook at jacob b heron also you can find me on facebook at jacob's daily art corner where i try to draw every day you can find me on instagram at jacob heron you can find me on twitter at jacob heron you can find uh, find me on facebook at drew dodgen and of course other social media stuff of course go check out henchman because i was on that for five episodes and <laughs> Yeah, other than that, we got the Cellcast, which is our show review animated movies and television mm -hmm. shows. And then, of course, you can also follow me on, over at uh, the Cellcast Presents Untangling Kingdom Hearts, mm -hmm. where I review Kingdom Hearts one little bit at a time. And I have another script in the bag. I need to record it. <laughs> Lore master. <laughs> Paying way too close attention, which is what it is. So is okay, nitpicker. I'm my, my the thing is kingdom hearts is one of those things that is understandably complex in the same way the mcu right now is complex <laughs> same way everything is complex right <laughs> true it's it sounds far more confusing to say it than to actually just accept it <laughs> this is true this anyway. is true but anyway it was a, a delight as always to have you guys on but you know what I, I'm sure Dila doesn't have to teleport you back immediately. And I was thinking, you know, you guys, we should hang out tonight, have a little bit of fun. Have you ever heard of a theme park called Yangma Land? I think I saw a YouTube or tour that on YouTube. Yes, it's it's a bit of a famous attraction here in South Korea, from what I understand. It's an abandoned theme park, and it's purported to be haunted. Haunted? Jinkies. <laughs> oh no, not Ricky's no. <laughs> yeah, so I say we go have a little bit of fun and we see if it really is haunted or not. What do you say? Yeah, sounds like fun. Yeah, we're fine. Do you look yeah. and you give us a couple hours? Thank you. Well, there you go. And then yeah, deal it, Jimmy and Kaguya can hang out and keep an eye on Uber Mogura while we go do it. Good idea. If we're not back by the morning, send a search party. Yeah. That's not disconcerting. No. Oh boy. Eh, we'll be fine. I'm sure we'll be fine. We've all seen Ghostbusters, right? Uh, don't cross the streams. It's about what I know. Also, if, if we get asked if we're God, say yes. 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 Mm -hmm. Always say yes, even if it's yeah. a lie. Yes. Bad things happen if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, if this happens, please do not turn into a dog. Uh, no promises because uh i don't want to deal with the gatekeeper or the key master yeah uh i'll try not to if Dietla doesn't do anything this time uh now i'm worried that he might be a secret lichen Dietla makes no promises oh, exactly good. 
Oh, good Lord. Jimmy, keep the AI in in check. Sure, do your best. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) it's time for us to wrap things up here. So, Jimmy, cue the credits. Thank you for listening to the Monster Island Film Vault, a podcast produced and hosted by Nate Marchand. Our executive producer is Damon Noyes. If you want to be heard on the show, we'd love to hear from you. So email us at monsterislandfilmvault at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. You can also follow Jimmy from NASA on Twitter and our many colorful characters using the links in the show notes, which are on our website, monsterislandfilmvault.com. Don't forget to join our official Facebook group and Discord server, The Markalite Lounge. Our podcast logo was designed by Rebecca Hudgens. Follow her on Twitter and Instagram at super underscore r underscore illustrations. Sound effects sourced from freesound.org and created by JP Gant. Our theme song is Wanderer on the Offensive, live edit by B33J. Serax, Juan Madrano, and Nonsensical Lexus, which is a remix of Counterattack and The Opened Way by Koatani from Shadow of the Colossus. Additional music includes Every Country Has a Monster, performed by Jonah Ray, and Chant My Name, a cover by Second Archive of the Song by Masaki Endo. All film and audio clips belong to their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended or implied. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and or Podchaser to spread the word about the show. You can even support us by joining MIFV Max on Patreon. MIFV is a Moonlighting Ninjas media production and a proud member of Pod Nation. Sayonara! Sayonara!